0: I'm going to keep my money and buy me some good old Tennessee drinking whiskey with it. The When It Was Cool Podcast Network. Solid gold, baby, just like you and me. Solid gold, just like you and me. Whenitwascool.com. Your source for retro pop culture fun. Whenitwascool.com. Family friendly and fun. You too fat and out of shape. How did you happen to get in here? I ran here. You scared the daylights out of me last night. Seems like the truth shouldn't scare anybody, man or boy. What's the matter, Lieutenant? Is this thing getting you? Oh, no, no. i just thinking about public reaction to all this. Hello everyone and welcome to When It Was Cool Dark. I am your host, Carl Stern. Thank you very much for joining me. This podcast is produced and distributed by whenitwascool.com. Please check out our website, our podcasting network, all the different articles and uh, audio shows we have to offer. You can check the front page of whenitwascool.com. We have a number of free shows If you'd like a deeper dive and a lot of exclusive shows, we hope you will consider becoming a Patreon supporter. You can come aboard for as little as $1 for an entire month's access. Uh, If you come in at the $5 level, you will get access to over 2,000 podcasts in our archive. Dealing with retro pop culture, the entire archives of When It Was Cool, formerly known as Dragon King Dark, and much, much more. So check it out. We are in a series called 100 of the Darkest Moments in Pop Culture History. And this is show number 85 in that series. And this has uh, focused upon pop culture in terms of TV, movies, sports, music, uh, things of that nature, Dark moments in it being, you know, obvious things like tragedies, but also scandals and, and uh, things that have taken caused a downturn to some area of popular culture. And today we want to revisit again, and there's been a, a few of these on the list, professional wrestling. Uh, for those of you listening at WrestlingObserver.com and figure 4 com, and even WhenItWasCool.com, certainly know that I am uh, considered a pro-wrestling historian. In fact, I have been around for uh, many years doing pro-wrestling history work. I uh, was even involved in a, in a legal case against WCW, uh, hired by a group of attorneys in Georgia to gather statistics for them for a lawsuit that they had taken out against the former World Championship Wrestling. I have done newsletters. I have promoted wrestling shows. I have myself wrestled. And recently I released a book called Dragon King Carl Stern's 1983 Pro Wrestling Omnibus that is available on Amazon. So hope you'll check that out. So professional wrestling is something that I am certainly very, very familiar with. And Professional wrestling has, without any question, had its share of tragedies. A few of the things we've talked about uh, in this 100 Darkest Moments series have involved professional wrestlers. I'm probably only going to have two more instances of wrestling in our list before we finish this one. And uh, one more that I'm saving uh, for the end of the series. So our 85th show, we're going to look back at a very successful, very hot wrestling promotion uh, that was super successful in the 1980s. It was often compared to kind of like a rock concert, Rock Stars, the Von Erich family. We're going to be talking about world-class championship wrestling. And the story of world-class wrestling is one of the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history. Many of you know why. There was an exceptional number of tragedies that somehow orbited that promotion, mostly centered around the Von Erich family themselves. And we'll talk in detail about that going on. There have been multiple documentaries about world-class wrestling and the so-called curse of world-class wrestling, all the tragedies involved. Uh, But some of those have been a little bit exaggerated or links that have been drawn to world-class that are not necessarily fair and true. The story of the Von Erich family is absolutely wrapped up in world-class. And at the time I'm recording this, there's a movie that has already been cast and I believe has already begun uh, filming about the Von Erich family and world-class wrestling. So uh, that's something that will be uh, in going from the the arena of, well, wrestling is not really sport. It's sports entertainment. Uh, but it's also going to be crossing over into, Movies as well. And I would argue that music also was an important part of the world-class formula. So multiple areas of popular culture were touched by world-class championship wrestling. Now, for those of you who perhaps are not professional wrestling fans, you may only be familiar with the uh, famous World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE, or as it was known back in this period of time, WWF. Uh, it is, of course, and has been for a long time, the largest professional wrestling group in the world, and certainly in the United States. But back in the 1980s, wrestling was much more fragmented. There were a, uh, a large group of what was called territories, and uh, these were smaller companies that operated in different areas of the of the country. There was a uh, sanctioning body called the National Wrestling Alliance and uh, they uh, kind of protected different areas for different promoters. So you, as a promoter, may be assigned to a territory. You may have uh, wrestling promotion, and other uh, promoters were not allowed to run in your area. And so wrestling was a, a very regional-type sport. And the, one of the ones, there were multiple promotions that existed in different parts of Texas, but one of the main ones out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area was world-class championship wrestling and it was up until 1986 a member of the national wrestling alliance and really had its most success prior to 1986 once they left the nwa uh, they were never as successful as they were when they were in the nwa although that uh, really didn't have that much to do with their popularity. The uh, National Wrestling Alliance was already falling apart at that point. The WWF had began their national expansion, and it was just the business was changing. What caused the downfall of world-class championship wrestling was a seemingly endless uh, run of tragedies, mostly, again, involving the Von Erich family. So world-class championship wrestling was headquartered in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it was originally owned by promoter Ed McLemore. And by 1966, it was run by a company called Southwest Sports Incorporated, which the president of was Jack Adkinson. And Jack Adkinson uh, wrestled under the name Fritz Von Erich. And Fritz Von Erich was a very big name in professional wrestling, especially back in the 1960s. Uh, He had a, quote, brother in wrestling named Waldo Von Erich. They were not actually uh, related in any way. But Fritz Von Erich was real name Jack Adkinson. And so when Jack Adkinson's sons became old enough to wrestle, uh, they became wrestlers themselves. Many insinuate that he pushed them into being wrestlers, uh, sometimes against their will. I don't know if that is accurate or not perhaps there are some of the sons that weren't really as invested in wrestling as others were uh but certainly there was pressure from their father to become wrestlers and successful wrestlers at that he famously had gone on tv introducing his young sons and promising that they were going to be future world champions and uh, one of which uh was a future nwa world heavyweight champion uh the story gets complicated from there and uh, to avoid side tangents once world-class left the NWA in 1986 they developed develop their own world championship the world-class wrestling association world title which nobody really considered a true world championship and yes uh, some of his other sons held that belt as well but nobody really considered that a major world title I think most people as far as the Von Ericks go, only consider Fritz, who was a AWA world champion at one point, and Carrie, who was a NWA world champion for a short period of time, as the only true world title holders uh, in that company. Nevertheless Beginning as a territory, as a division of the National Wrestling Alliance, it went independent in 1986 in a bid to become a major national promotion, but it was unsuccessful in its attempts and eventually went out of business in 1990. Rights to the pre-1989 World Class Championship Wrestling Tape Library belong to the WWE, and select episodes from 1982 to 1988 are available on WWE Network on Peacock. World-class championship wrestling experienced tremendous success from 1981 to 1985, shattering attendance records and achieving global expo- exposure through their syndicated television program. Bookers Ken Mantell, David Von Erich, Gary Hart, Bruiser Brody, and Kevin Von Erich provided fans with hard-hitting action centered on the popular Von Erich Brothers and a cast of devious villains. Storylines during this time followed a consistent theme of friendship and betrayal, with many of the top heels being first presented as friends to the babyface Von Erich family, only to betray them months or even years later. Talent deals and exchanges help world-class championship wrestling bring in future stars such as Chris, Va- excuse me, Chris Adams, the fabulous Freebirds, of, which were a major part of the success of world-class wrestling. Uh, Jake Roberts, Mick Foley later on, even a young Shawn Michaels, Gino Hernandez, who we'll talk more about in a moment, Iceman Parsons, many others. World-class championship wrestling was a member of the NWA and was originally known as Big Time Wrestling until 1982 when Jack Atkinson decided that the name of his organization needed to be changed. Mickey Grant, who's an important part of the world-class formula, he was a TV producer and really gave their shows a ultra-modern look, really better aesthetically than any other wrestling show out there at the time. Uh, Mickey Grant uh, headed the uh, production of the telecast and suggested the name change to World Class. They operated out of Dallas, Texas, and held wrestling events at the Reunion Arena. Uh, And mostly, and a lot of the TV and stuff came, of course, from the Sportatorium, uh, located just south of downtown Dallas. Of course, it's uh, no longer there. It's been uh, demolished some time ago. Now, we want to focus in less on the story of world-class wrestling and more on what lands it on the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history. But briefly and very, very uh, loosely, the story of world-class wrestling in its hot period were the rising young Von Erich family. Uh, Originally David Von Erich, and also uh, then with Kevin and Kerry, they were the first Von Erich brothers uh, to be wrestling. David, many people believe, was a uh, future NWA World Heavyweight Champion, but as we'll find out uh, he passed away very young. In fact, I, uh, I'm not going to do as deep a dive onto David Von Erich because I've already done that uh, at whenitwascool.com in a show called The Saga of the Death of David Von Erich. So if you go to whenitwascool.com and choose my When It Was Cool Wrestling feed, you can listen to that show for free. It is a, it is as deep an exploration into the uh, life of David Von Erich leading up to his death as probably has ever been explored, if you want to check that out. That was just the first of many dominoes to fall uh, in world class. The promotion got really, really red hot based around a feud between the fabulous Freebirds, who were a three-man group uh, whose character were that they were uh, southern wrestlers based out of Georgia, specifically Atlanta, Georgia. They were, uh, a lot of their themes, a lot of their look, a lot of their attitude, and of course even their name was based on uh, Leonard Skinner, the rock band. They even, uh, the Freebirds even presented themselves, Michael Hayes especially, as a, as a rock and roll singer. He put out an album and uh, was you know, positioned as a, as a rock star in this group, but they were Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts. And the three of them, uh, initially coming in as good guys or babyfaces, teamed up and befriended the Von Ericks only as we talked about to end up betraying them with uh, Michael Hayes uh, very famously turning on Kerry Von Erich in a steel cage match against Ric Flair, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, where Kerry tries to escape the cage only to have the cage door slammed on his head by Freebird member Terry Gordy, who was at ringside. And this started a red-hot wrestling uh, storyline in world-class wrestling, and they had a lot of success. Uh, business quickly cooled off once the deaths started piling up, and that's what we're really here to talk about, but let's separate the fact from the fiction. Yes, there were a lot of tragedies and a lot of deaths in world class, but some of them uh, are kind of unfairly attributed to world class that, that, that really should not be, and uh, we want to take a look at that here. So what I want to do is go to an article from a T. WM website and um, they had an article called the uh, How Tragedy Stopped the Rise of World Class Championship Wrestling and for those who were around during that, that time period I mean without a doubt this was a super hot rising company. I mean, a very, very hot, uh, hot company. The initially, they, uh, you know, as one thing I I should uh, give give a side note here too, while Vince McMahon and WWE or WWF at the time were out putting other promotions out of business, world-class really kind of escaped that from him uh they even partnered with him for a short period of time uh famously ricky steamboat even came down and worked some of their shows uh vince mcmahon definitely had his eye on carrie von eric for sure and why wouldn't he look like a rock star and um they're uh, so so they sort of were able to survive WWF's rampage of destroying the territories uh, better than better than a lot of other organizations did. And uh, this story, which unfortunately I can't give you excerpts for because they have a pop-up ad that appears to be unremovable from their website to read the show. So uh, I guess twm.news is not a website that you can even be used. Uh, so we'll just kick them to the wayside here. Uh, it looked interesting from their previews, but when you have pop-up ads, that can't be X'd out. I don't know how you're supposed to read any story on there. As is the problem with a lot of websites nowadays, quite frankly. One of the, one of the, I guess, most famous deaths outside the Von Erich family that happened with world-class was Gino Hernandez. And if you've watched Dark Side of the Ring, uh, they did a a very interesting show on Gino Hernandez. And he's a guy that had a lot of promise. I mean, he was a guy, he really wasn't the best wrestler. Like, he wasn't a guy who just people were raving about his in-ring work. But he was super charismatic, good-looking guy, had, like, movie star looks, had a real presence to him. But, com. we'll just let them tell the story here, and it's a tragic one. Uh, The death of Gino Hernandez remains a mystery to not only wrestling fans, but the wrestlers who knew the man before he died. The death of Gino Hernandez remains one of the most suspicious in wrestling history. Even today, almost four decades after his death, people still disagree about the cause of his death and who was responsible. It was even featured in one of the Dark Side of the Ring episodes. And even there, the controversy and mystery surrounding his death remains something that no one can forget. With all the infamy, the one real tragedy was that gorgeous Gino Hernandez was only 29 years old when he died. And that's going to be a recurring theme of all these people dying in their 20s or early 30s associated with world-class wrestling. Gino Hernandez was one of the top stars in world class in 1986. However, what happened was all part of a long line of tragedies that befell world class, with too many wrestlers dying in the prime of their careers. Gino joined names like, okay, so let's again, let's look, and this is no criticism toward the Sportster.com, but let's look at the reality of this and see. So, what the Senate says, Gino joined the names like David Von Erich. Yes, David Von Erich died before Gino Hernandez under suspicious circumstances, but David died in Japan. But it was his uh, the, the beginning of a tour of Japan. He hadn't even wrestled yet. And uh, so whatever problems, if this was, if, if David's death was a drug-related death or a behavior-related death, and there's still a lot of question, most people, I think, attributed it to being a drug-related death, but there is a lot of conflicting uh, evidence on that. He brought it from world class. He brought it from Texas with him. So David Von Erick, yes. says, but Gino joined names like Bruiser Brody. Okay, Bruiser Brody died a couple years after Gino Hernandez. He was murdered. He was, uh, I, uh, he was the victim of a homicide in Puerto Rico. Uh, killed by another wrestler down there. Uh, was he part of World Class? Yes. Did World Class, was that were they directly responsible for the death of Bruiser Brody? No. Chris Adams. Well, Chris Adams uh, died many years later on, but certainly had a lot of problems related to his time in World Class that he carried through his life. And, and uh, so in a lot of ways, yes, you could say, even though technically speaking, World Class was already... Gone by the time Chris Adams was killed, and Chris Adams was killed himself. Many of the problems that played uh, Chris Adams' life came from his time as a wrestler. Kerry Von Erich. Okay, it was years later that Kerry Von Erich uh, committed suicide so they're not directly related. Gino Hernandez rose to the top of WCCW thanks to his great heel work and feud with the Von Erich brothers. At the time of his death, Gino had done an impressive feat and become an even more hated Von Erich rival than even the Freebirds at the time. This all came when Gino convinced longtime Von Erich friend Chris Adams to betray the Von Erick family and to turn heel. Gino, nicknamed the handsome half-breed, had already became an arrogant heel bragging about dating actress Farrah Fawcett, and that made him a great rival for the ultimate fan favorites. The feud with the Von Erichs had led Hernandez and Adams, uh, known together as the dynamic duo, to fight the Von Erics in a hair-versus-hair match. The entire idea was the dynamic uh, duo would embarrass the pretty boy Von Eriks by using their hair cream, uh, to eliminate all hair on their heads, this was a, also a free bird angle as well. Uh, however, the dynamic uh, the uh, dynamic duo lost and led to gino 's next feud. He turned on his own partner, Chris Adams. The two were wearing masks to hide their shaved heads, but then Gino turned on Chris and uh, took their own hair cream and rubbed it in chris Adams' eyes. Adams went all the way with the angle, pretending to be blind, even away from world-class. However, they never had their big match because this is when the death of Gino Hernandez occurred. Uh, Gino's official cause of death was a drug overdose. However, that was only the tip of the iceberg when it came to his passing. In the DVD documentary, and this is a really good documentary, uh, The Triumph and Tragedy of World-Class Championship Wrestling, former play-by-play announcer Bill Mercer said that Gino started to become the person he portrayed in wrestling. Outside the ring, Gino, who Nature Boy Ric Flair was, a wrestler, just as Ric Flair was, it should say, a wrestler who lived his gimmick, and that might be what ended up costing the young man his life. In Dark Side of the Ring, the mysterious death of gorgeous Gino, Bruce Pritchard said that Gino Hernandez did drugs, from marijuana to cocaine to uppers and downers, admitting we all did in the 1970s and 80s. However, As the Dark Side episode also mentioned, his overdose was questionable from the start. World-class announcer David Manning said he saw Gino with some unsavory characters when they were in Las Vegas once, and he felt that Gino was getting involved with the wrong people. Gino ran with a pretty tough crowd in Houston. If you hang around trouble, you're going to get in trouble. Getting into wrestling is like getting into the mob. You have to watch out who you hang out with. Manning said that before the death of Gino Hernandez, the wrestling star felt that someone was trying to kill him. Manning said that he was just acting paranoid, but when Gino ended up dead, it showed there was more to it than just drug-fueled paranoia. After no-showing two, two events, the police found Gino dead. There were no drugs or paraphernalia at the scene of his death. He had been dead four to five days, but the police couldn't narrow down the time of his death. His mother said a mysterious man showed up and offered to pay for the funeral which scared her. The death of Gino Hernandez started theories about what really happened. Bruce Pritchard said that Andre the Giant even chimed in and believed that someone had shot and killed Gino and was cover- it was covered up. Most people felt that Gino owed the wrong people money and they came and took him out. The Dark Side of the Ring episode said the family wasn't allowed to see the body. The autopsy said that Gino died of acute cocaine intoxication with five times the amount that should have killed a person. Pritchard added that the coroner had no idea how someone could get so much cocaine in their system before dying. And eerily, this will be very similar to the death of another youngster, uh, I believe in his early 30s, uh, Buzz Sager. Also in world-class wrestling. Also who died of an extraordinary amount of cocaine in his system. So very strange. When we come back after our break here, we're going to talk about the uh, list of wrestlers. You may have seen this if you've watched any of these documentaries. I've just mentioned Triumph and Tragedy of World Class. There was another, Heroes of World Class, and of course Dark Side of the Rings, done episodes on a few of the names we're going to mention. Uh, But let's take a look at what could actually be drawn to we'll say had an effect where the world class have an effect on these people dying and try to separate some of the fact from fiction because truly, even though some of these names we can rule out as uh being directly world class wrestling's fault, it is still such a list that it is absolutely one of the darkest moments in pop culture history. We'll be right back. Do not be alarmed. Three seventy Dark. 371. Darker. Now, as a preamble to what we're about to talk about in a sort of seven degrees of Kevin Bacon sort of way, many years ago, this and this gained popularity or notoriety, I guess I should say, uh, during the Chris Benoit tragedy, which is something else we've already previously covered in this series, a list of wrestlers who died prematurely was uh, very famously talked about. I think Martin Merrow was the first person on uh, one of the TV news shows to to repeat this list. That was my list. I developed that list originally in the Dragon King Press newsletter. Uh, my old newsletter, much like my new book, uh, Dragon King Carl's 1983 Pro Wrestling Omnibus, was done in a sort of narrative yet almanac type style where a lot of facts, figures, and information was presented. And one of the things I did, because it was such a topic of discussion at the time, this was uh, a few years before what happened with Chris Benoit happened, I put together a list of wrestlers throughout history who had died before the age of 40 and the reasons why they died. Well, Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer Newsletter had taken that list and uh, republished it and added some things to it, added some historical context, and it was likely from there that uh, Mark Merrow picked it up. But the origins of it, the original uh, genesis of the research of that came from me. Well, nowadays, here in 2023, all these years later, of course, there's a Wikipedia page about it, which, of course, gives me no credit whatsoever, but whatever. Uh, Yes, I'm mad about it. But anyway, I present to you from the Wikipedia list of premature pro wrestling deaths. And again, so much has been added to my original list because it was done you know, gosh, probably close to 20 years ago now. So many new names have been added. Much research has been done. And so uh, while mine may have been the Genesis, this really is a a totally different deal. But in looking through this list, I just did a search uh, for, they have world class listed as WCCW. And so when I do a search on it, I find 33 references to premature wrestlers with WCCW listed as under promotions or promotion promotion or promotions worked for so let's take a look at these 33 hits we get on this and see if any of these are actually um, should legitimately be tied in any way to world- class the first one that comes up is absolutely yes Chris von Erich the age of 21 cause of death suicide by gunshot in september of 1991 absolutely his entire life from birth to death was tied up in world-class later uswa wrestling he was a son of fritz von Erick, the patriarch of the von Erich family whom we previously talked about uh, chris had some health issues and was never going to be a big wrestling star. He was small. He did have a good look to him, but he was small and he was fragile and really had no business being in wrestling. And his brothers, all except Kevin and uh, Carrie, at the point of his death, had died before him. So certainly he probably had some uh, psychological issues related to that, as did clearly all of the Von Erich brothers just from simple fact of going through all the trauma they went through in life you couldn't help but be affected by it was Kevin very hauntingly said in one of those documentaries I just mentioned very famous line I used to have five brothers now I'm not even a brother that is tragic I don't care what the circumstances are So, Chris Von Erich, can he be tied to World Class? Absolutely. His entire story is tied to it up until he uh, shot himself and died September 12, 1991. The next person that pops up on the list is 23-year-old Mike Von Erich, Michael Atkinson. Suicide by drug overdose, April 12, 1987. Yes, absolutely. Of course, Mike's entire life, like Chris, was tied up in world-class championship wrestling. Son of Fritz Von Erich, brother of all the other Von Erich uh, children. Uh, Mike's story has a little bit of a caveat to it, in that he had an injury in the ring. He injured his shoulder, and that required surgery. And he acquired a very very life threatening infection following surgery in fact toxic shock syndrome, which is a very rare thing, especially for men to get It used to be tied uh, back to uh, uh, women's feminine care products back then until they uh, i believe they uh, there was a, there was a uh Uh, some sort of material that caused that which has now been banned but this was a thing largely that happened to them but it happened to him because of the uh, surgery and and some sort of uh the gauze or something they used or they left some some foreign material in him or something like that anyway acquired an infection that caused him to have a extremely high fever it was very clear in uh, post con- uh, press conferences after that, during his recovery, that he had some problems. Uh, a lot of people speculate he had brain damage from it. Uh, I think it'd be hard to argue that he was, uh, it would be very easy, I should say, to argue that he was definitely not the same person afterward. He developed very serious drug issues, and at 23 years of age, he took an overdose of uh, medication and died. The next person on the list, 25-year-old, and this was the first domino to fall. We've already mentioned David Von Erich, still listed in most uh, sources as acute entriitis as his cause of death. There's been a lot of speculation about the reality or Cause of that or whatever, he died in Japan, February tenth, nineteen eighty four. Again, if you want a deep dive into the last uh, several months up to the death and the uh, death of David Von Erich. Go to com. choose our When It Was Cool wrestling podcast show, and you can listen to the saga of the death of David Von Erich. It is the most exhaustive study of that that probably has ever been done so far. So yes, definitely, David Von Erich, even though he died in Japan, while on a tour of Japan, David's life up to that point was clearly wrapped up in world-class championship wrestling. We just talked about Gino Hernandez, 28 years old. February 2nd, 1986, uh, possible drug overdose or murder. And, uh, you know, world-class wasn't the only place Gino wrestled. Very famously, uh, Paul Bosch's uh, Houston wrestling uh, he worked uh, for Bill Watts as well. He worked other places, but he is definitely most identified with world class. And the problems he got himself involved with were probably related to Houston, quite frankly. But the lifestyle there in world class, I would say, uh, you could easily argue was a contributing factor. So, yes, I would definitely tie Gino Hernandez's death, at least in part, uh, to the legacy of world class wrestling, a uh, another wrestler on this list is Kazuharo Sonata. and Kazuharu Sonata wrestled actually as uh, the Magic Dragon. He was a masked wrestler. Now, his he he died. He was killed actually at the age of thirty one. Uh, November 28, 1987. And his death really has nothing to do with world class. He died in a plane crash, uh, I believe going on his honeymoon, actually. And so while, yes, you got a 31-year-old who was killed, uh, the fact that he worked, world class was just one of many promotions he worked for, all Japan, uh, you know, Crockett Promotions, Florida, he worked numerous places, really had nothing to do with world class. So there's no curse involved there that was simply a tragic accident in a plane crash buzz sawyer mentioned him earlier 32 years of age bruce woolen is his real name yes buzz sawyer worked for many places as well uh wcw even wwf Uh, bill watts promotion jim crockett buzz sawyer wrestled a lot of places but he was very well known in world class and he was in world class at the time he died february 7th 1992 of a cocaine induced heart attack and again with a lot of very eerie similarities uh, to the death of gino hernandez buzz sawyer was a guy who uh very much demonstrated a lot of problems even prior to world class. So I will, you couldn't say entirely world class had something to do with it. Although Buzz Sawyer certainly his lifestyle, certainly his personality, seemed right at home in world class. Carrie um, Von Erich, thirty-three years of age, suicide by gunshot, February eighteenth, nineteen ninety-three. Uh, of course, Kerry wrestled a lot of different places too, including WWF. But he obviously is most associated with being the son of Fritz Von Erich, and in fact, the most popular. Internationally known son of Fritz Von Erich and successful of the Von Erich brothers, NWA World Heavyweight Champion himself, but Kerry's whole life was wrapped up in the rock star drug scene of world class. He was an absolute women's matinee idol. He was a uh, again rock star. Clearly describes Kerry Von Erich. He had a a, I mean, there's been allegations he was using steroids as, as early as as a middle school. Uh, he was a he was a Texas uh, standout high school athlete, uh, very famous for his uh, you know, some records he set in the discus uh, throw competition. So, Kerry Von Erich, you know, absolutely, I would say, is a casualty of the world class curse or lifestyle or however you want to deem it. Um, pack Song died at. Thirty-seven years old, in uh, April of nineteen eighty-two, he. Uh, this can't be in any really related to that. He wrestled a lot of places. I guess probably most famously Florida, but all Japan wrestling as well. And he had something called uh, Marfan syndrome, uh, which is a genetic disorder. Uh, his, in fact, his whole look was because of that. You know, you got a. You're going to primarily be tall and thin with long arms and uh, you know long fingers and stuff. So you have a very distinct look, and so that really has nothing to do but you'll see his name appear on these world class death list, and uh, that's kind of unfair uh, reflection on world class to say that. Terry Gordy, yes, yeah, so a member of the Fabulous Freebirds, mentioned him earlier. 40 years old when he died uh, died of a blood clot it was the official cause of death july 16 2001 uh, i was there for one of terry gordy's last matches and i was there for the terry gordy memorial show uh, which was held in birmingham alabama back in in 2001 i had uh, talked to terry gordy at one of his last appearances and uh seemed to be doing a lot better terry gordy you know his can his problems be blamed on world-class? Well, world-class didn't help his problems, but he certainly had problems all over. He famously almost died twice uh, going to Japan and for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, really devastated his career, some of his uh, drug and alcohol choices. But he seemed to be doing really well when I talked to him. I mean, I, there was nobody. It seemed like even his mental faculties had gotten better uh, after what was probably some brain damage caused by uh, one of his near-death experiences in Japan. But, you know, in world-class, did he live a wild, uninhibited lifestyle? Probably to some degree. Was that a direct cause of his death at the age of 40? Well, probably not. But uh, Terry Gordy lived a wild, reckless, and rough life. I mean, Died at 40 years of age. He was a tremendous professional wrestler. I really personally liked Terry Gordy a lot, and uh, but uh, you know, world class. Only partially uh, involved in the story of his death, I would say. Even though he's very highly associated with world class wrestling. Also dying at the age of 40 was Rick Rude, and uh, Rick Rude now had gone on to do a lot bigger things. WWF was the height of his popularity and success. Uh, He also worked at ECW and WCW. Uh, Famously, he got uh, seriously injured wrestling for uh, WCW in Japan. Uh, He got badly injured in a match against Sting. Uh, That ended his in-ring wrestling career, although there was word he was training for a comeback. He died of heart failure at the age of 40 but he was early in his career a uh, in world class in fact he was the When world-class withdrew from the NWA, he was their top champion, the American heavyweight champion, and thus becoming the first world-class world heavyweight champion. So he is notable for his time in world-class, but can you say that directly impacted his death? Uh, No. So many years had had passed, and uh, clearly there were other uh, things at play by that time. Um. Robert Swenson, that's being Jeep Swenson, he died August 18th, 1997, of heart failure at the age of 40, and probably in wrestling, Jeep Swenson was best known for his time in world class. Now, he made a one-off appearance in WCW that uh, was on pay-per-view that was obviously seen probably by more people, but he did his most amount of in-ring work for world class, but Robert Swenson, Jeep Swenson's story is way different. It's not, I mean, that was a, a very small part of his life. He even did professional boxing, so uh, probably more boxing than he did uh, pro wrestling. So one would be about as equal to blame as the other. He also did acting. He even appeared in the in one of the famous uh, 1980s uh, Batman movies as Bane. He played that character. So, you know, he was a gigantic guy. Uh, lots of allegations of, you know, a lot of steroid use and stuff. He was a, he was phenomenally large dude. I mean, he was just, to look at video of Jeep Swenson, you think, oh my gosh, that guy is enormous. So, you know, it was probably less world class. World class is probably just something on his resume more so than having impacted his his early death. Again, we talked about Bruiser Brody. At the age of 42, he was killed by uh, Jose Gonzalez, the Invader One, stabbed in a uh, dressing room in Puerto Rico, and then died uh, shortly thereafter at a Puerto Rican hospital. Yes, Bruiser Brody is greatly associated with World Class. Bruiser Brody probably, you know, involved in some, you know, uh, wild activities in World Class, but did it directly. Uh, Impact his death? No, not really. World class had nothing whatsoever to to do with the death of 42 year old Bruiser Brody. Uh, Tony Adams, 45 years old. Uh, she was, of course, famously the wife of Chris Adams, and uh, she was known for being his uh, his valet as well. The when Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, broke into wrestling business, was involved in a angle with him. And um, uh, she, uh, she died of a uh, heart attack at age 45 in 2010. Really had nothing whatsoever to do with her time in world class. Uh, highly doubtful that had any impact on her death. Mike Davis, uh, 45 years old, died of a heart attack in uh, December of 2001 and uh, you know Mike Davis worked a lot of places I mean Mike Davis well much more well known for his time in Florida wrestling and in Memphis wrestling and in uh, Puerto Rico than he was ever in world- class and later uh, USWAs one half of the uh, of the uh, rock and roll rpms and uh, he he really his time in world class was really kind of after the the really hardcore era of world class, the Von Eric era. he come along a little bit later on. So again, I would not uh, really attribute it to that. Another one they have on the list that they've associated with world class, which is actually very unfair, is Iron Mike DiBiase, who is the, the uh, adoptive father of uh, Ted DiBiase, 45 years old when he died of a heart attack, but back in 1969, and this really has no relation whatsoever to the Fritz von Erich-run world class of the 1980s. I mean, he died a a good decade or more before that real hot period, so that is really unfair to have that on that list. Uh, Chris Adams at the age of 46 certainly very much can be attributed to the world-class wrestling, world-class lifestyle, even though he was... Uh, shot and killed, it was in self-defense, the person who shot and killed him, who just also happened to be his best friend. Uh, I believe it was determined he would not face criminal charges because of Chris Adams uh, being the aggressor in the situation. Uh, Chris Adams worked a lot of different places, but most definitely he is most well-associated with world-class, and the majority of his problems seem to have originated around his fame and popularity with that organization, um, Harvey Martin, who was a, a former football player, uh, played actually for the Dallas Cowboys. Died at the age of fifty-one of pancreatic cancer. Uh, associated with doing a little bit of wrestling in World Class. That has nothing whatsoever. To do with him. I mean, he was really just celebrity appearances, uh, essentially what it was. To have him on the list, associating him world class, very unfair and, and not at all uh, correct. And then there's another one, uh, Tanina Jackson, real name Hector Garza Lozano Vella, uh, died in 1969, uh, had health issues at the age of 52. Again, Not associated with the era of world class we're talking about. And another one who, again, this, yes, he's very famous for his appearances in world class, but had nothing to do with his death on April 19th, 2005. Silo Sam, Big John Harris. 52 years of age. He had gigantism. It was health problems that ended uh, his life. I've done a lot of research on Silo Sam, Big John Harris. I've not yet put together a saga of him yet. He's a very interesting footnote in pro wrestling. He he didn't do a lot of pro wrestling, but he is most famous for it. Uh, He appeared in the movie uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, So he had a pop culture crossover there. And one of these days I'm going to do that show because I find him a fascinating character. But to in any way associate his death with world class is, again, uh, not at all accurate. Matt Bourne, 55 years old, died of a drug overdose. Yes, Matt Bourne, very well known for being in WCCW. But also in WCW, also in the WWF where he was the original doink, Pacific Northwest Wrestling Bill Watts. I mean, he wrestled a lot of different places. And Matt Bourne had a lot of problems in all or most of those places. Georgia Championship Wrestling was famously arrested in an incident in Ohio involving an underage girl, which ultimately charges were dropped uh, in that. You can read that's uh, one of the things that took place in 1983 that I recently wrote about in my book. So Matt Bourne had problems far beyond world class, although his uh, lifestyle was probably pretty... uh, you know, fit right into what the stereotype of world class was. Chris Youngblood, 55 years old, uh, died of lid, liver and kidney failure back in 2000 and uh, back in 2021. Again, nothing really world class associated there other than he had wrestled there. Uh, Walter Johnson. Another former NFL player who did some appearances with World Class, died of a heart attack at age of 56 in 1999. Again, there's really no fair reason he should be mentioned with it. Now, 58-year-old William Moody, best known as Paul Bearer in WWF, died of a heart attack May 5th, 2013. I really liked William Moody a lot, like Paul Bearer. I uh, met him and interviewed him a, a few times for our website and uh, worked some shows with him. He was always very kind toward me and the uh, When It Was Cool press and all that. He was a uh, had a, a I really liked the guy a lot. But, yeah, I mean, he was certainly well-known and famous as Percy Pringle III, working for World Class prior to his days as the Undertaker's manager in the WWF. But Paul Bearer, William Moody was – extraordinarily obese. I mean, he battled obesity for most of his adult life. Uh, it had nothing whatsoever to do with the time he spent in world-class wrestling. Uh, Renee, uh, Guadajaro was a, uh, was luchador. He, yes, he did work for world-class. He died of liver cancer in 1992 at the age of 59. Again, can't really relate that one in any way. Skip Young, Fifty-nine years old. Not sure what he died of back in two thousand and ten. But yes, he was well known for working in World Class, but uh, he worked a lot of other places too. He was not directly part of that whole uh, crazy, you know, uh, know, like drug-addled stories or anything like that. And the others on the list. There's just a few more left. They were all in their sixties and wrestled other places. Not directly related. Killer Carl, Carl Krupp. Hepatitis, age of sixty-one. Uh, Bobby Eaton of the Midnight Express uh, had a lot of health problems leading up to his death in twenty twenty-one. Died at sixty-two years of age. And um, King Kong Bundy again, world class was he was, you know, very famous there, but he was a lot more famous afterwards. Uh, died of diabetic complications, at the age of sixty-three, back in twenty nineteen. And Wahoo McDaniel's the final one listed on here. And again, world-class, very small part of the Wahoo McDaniel story. And again, it was diabetes and kidney failure that got Wahoo McDaniel. So while there were a lot of deaths, certainly in that Von Erich family period there in world-class, the Von Erichs specifically, and I would say Gino Hernandez and probably Chris Adams, although it was many years later that Chris Adams uh, was killed, are probably your most direct deaths associated with and truly had their origins with world-class championship wrestling. Dark story nonetheless. I mean, when you go back, here's the thing. You sit down, you watch world-class championship wrestling, just pick a random card from 1983 to 86, and most of the people on there are dead with very few exceptions. Kevin Von Erich being about it. Uh, most of the rest of the people are dead. Ultimate Warrior is another guy. He wasn't even listed on that that list yet. He, you know, got uh, that was one of the early territories he worked for before becoming uh, really famous in the WWF. He wrestled as Dingo Warrior down there. Uh, but again, uh, you know, he had been a heavy steroid user for most of his uh, life, died of a heart attack. Uh, that's not necessarily, dry. he was using steroids almost certainly before, well before he went to world-class wrestling, and that was only a short period of his life. So again, if you may, you may see that name tied to that list as well, and I'm sure there's others that were missed on, on there, but uh, not really fair. But you go back and you watch it, watching world classes, it's sad. You you see it, you see the the just how rabid the fans are, you see just how excited the fans are, you see just how big stars there in that Dallas area that uh, Carrie, Kevin, and David were, and to know that all these boys except, uh, except Kevin died in their 20s or early 30s, most many of them in their early 20s, it is certainly a sad story, and it is a dark story, and that is the dark story of World Class Championship Wrestling. I highly recommend uh, watching either of the two uh, documentaries that came out, Triumph and Tragedy of World Class Wrestling, and also Heroes of World Class, uh, both of which could probably be found on YouTube. Certainly, uh, Triumph and Tragedy could be found, I'm sure, on the WWE Network, uh, available on Peacock Channel, and uh, Dark Side of the Ring. There's been no shortage of documentaries done on the Von Erich family, and as I said, there's a major motion picture in the works right now, discussing this as well. So, we move on now in our series of 100 of the darkest moments in pop culture history. When we conclude this series, things are going to change and uh, you may be hearing and experiencing some cryptic messages about that. What's that all about? We'll see. But things are going to change for the former Dragon King Dark, now when it was cool, Dark. Once we complete this series of 100 Darkest Moments in Pop Culture History, I'll see you coming up next week with a new show. WhenItWasCool.com is your source for the best in retro pop culture. When It Was Cool features articles and podcasts on retro TV and movies, toys, action figures, pro wrestling, food, video games, and more. Hit the Patreon button to support us, and get instant access to hundreds of premium podcasts and features. Family-friendly and fun. WhenItWasCool.com